Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to The Wes and Walker Show. Here are the two bad ones. Because you're an offensive lineman. Because <laughs> you're a left tackle. There's uh, a couple that pertain there. Yeah. What about the offensive grapple? It's Wes. No, yeah. hell no. Yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> that's awful. That sounds like something your grandmother would come up with. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the offensive grapple. Yeah, I'm not even walking out to that. And Walker. This one's even worse than offensive grapple. Okay. All right, you ready? Wesselmania. Yeah. No, hell no. Yeah. That's not good. <sighs> I'm embarrassed to even bring that to the airwaves. Yeah. <laughs> Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. Oh, that's fire. I don't care who you say. <laughs> The Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Text line is buzzing. The FanDuel text line 704-570-9610. And hit us up on those socials if you missed the Valentine's Day version of War Cry Wednesday. It is there for you on WFNZ Story, on Twitter and Instagram, on Wes Bryant underscore 72, at Walker Mail, at HTB underscore Josh. And most importantly, at Wesson Walker on Twitter or X. So go check that out uh, when you get a chance. And so now, without further ado, folks, it is time to get to the campus corner. Syracuse avenged an early season 36-point loss to the North Carolina Tar Heels, defeated a top-10 team for the first time since 2019 with an 86-79 win. Syracuse started the game hitting 12 of his first 19 shots. They built a 10-point lead in the first half. They hit 11 of its first 17 shots in the second half. They shot 62% from the field, their top mark since converting 71% of their shots in a win against DePaul in 2011. Carolina is now 17-7 all-time against Syracuse, including three wins in the last four meetings and 13-4 and since Syracuse joined the ACC in 2013-2014. The stars of the game, Cormac Ryan had 18 points for North Carolina. R.J. Davis had 19 points for North Carolina. Baycott, a double-double, but only 14 points and 10 boards. Syracuse was led by Judah Mintz that had 25 points on 8 of 11 shooting. And J.J. Starling, also a very efficient 23 points on 9 of 15 field goals, 3 of 6 from 3-point land. Let's get right into it. Where are we at on the North Carolina Tar Heels, who have now lost 3 out of their last 5 games? Walker, we'll start it off with you. And then, Fiddy, you have the floor, J.D. So the question with North Carolina, how much we should worry about them, we definitely turn it up a little bit more. I think we were at a four after the most recent loss. They got the win against Miami. It didn't change for better or worse. And now we can turn it up a little bit more. I'm not full-on panicking about this team. We had a six. I'll go to a five. Okay. I was at like three and a half before. Okay. I think what's happening now is that North Carolina just falls out of what was a tier one, which was what we were flirting with for a long time. And then they lose to Georgia Tech. It was still fair to put them there. Even in that Duke victory, we were like, okay, I'd love to see him play UConn now. 
I'd love to see him play Kentucky now, especially with Kentucky having the 22 ranking attached to their name. But now, not so much. Like, I don't want to see him play UConn, and I don't really want to see him play Kentucky, even with them being towards the bottom of the top 25. Look, there are a couple of things that aren't working for him anymore, like what the opponent three-point for uh, percentage is. Like, this is what happens when you look at some of the defensive metrics in the NBA and in college basketball. Sometimes defense is based off of luck. And what's happening is now these teams are hitting at a higher clip from distance than they were when North Carolina didn't lose for a million different games that they played, right? That's happening. Syracuse shot over 60% from the field in this game. It was ridiculous. 62.5 to be exact. The last time anybody shot this well was when Pittsburgh shot well against them in 2015. So almost a decade to go. That's how far you have to go back. Syracuse was even 47.1%, 8 of 17 from three-point range. But as me and Fiddy talked about in that fishbowl, those mid-range jumpers were falling. And they were tough shots. Even one of the three-point shots at the end of the shot clock, where it banks in. What was that, a 40-footer? In a crucial moment of the game, the fact that they hit that shot, I believe that was right after R.J. Davis took the lead for North Carolina. And then on the other, se- on the other side, there goes the bank-in three-point shot from 40 feet out. Starting lineup played well, but really this was because of what Judah Mintz did and what J.J. Starling did. They were excellent. They hit a bunch of tough shots. Mintz got to the foul line, hit 9 of 11 from free throw range. The defense needs to tighten up. I don't know if they were ever as good as we were talking about. Some of the three-point luck helped them, but also it's just going in the opposite direction and the law of averages are hurting them. The reason I'm not fully panicking, I would still pick North Carolina as the best ACC team. I'm still going to pick them over any other team as far as who I'm most confident in. They still have a ton of talent. They still play really well with one another, and I expect them to get back on track. Fiddy, before we go, let's play Hubert Davis's post-game's comments, and then you come right behind that and then give us your thoughts on the game. Everybody's extremely well coached, aren't they? Um, I think I remember trying to tell you guys that uh, going to the JMA Wireless Dome, it's a tough task. It's one of the tougher road trips you have to make in the ACC. And, you know, everyone laughed at me and scoffed at me. Is that what happened? But, you know, I digress. <laughs> Look, I don't, I don't like losing. Uh, the, the, I mean, you don't get into sports to like to lose. But it's February 14th. You're 19-6. and six, You're 11-3 and three in the ACC. You're still in first place, mind you. And everyone acts like the season is coming to an end because they've lost three of five. When in reality, they're just getting a dose of what every other top ten team has experienced all season long, which is you go on the road, you get beat. Top ten teams are 33-34 and 34 on the road against unranked competition. That's the worst mark in the poll era by 26 percentage points. It's a crazy stat. It's a crazy stat. And, and so, like, if Carolina was doing this at home, okay, I might be going to the foul line. I might be freaking out. But it's always been hard to go on the road and win no matter the conference. It's gotten harder in the transfer portal era because even these middle-of-the-road teams, they're older, they're more experienced, they're getting better talent because of NIL, uh, because of NIL and all that type of stuff. And you can't help that a guy be turns into DeMar DeRozan, a.k.a. the mid-range god, and doesn't miss 18-foot jump shots. 
Like, I'm fine with getting beaten on a guy shooting the most inefficient shot in the game of basketball. So, uh, you know, Carolina, they got four of six down the stretch at home. If they go three and three or maybe even four and two, maybe we have a conversation. But I still think this is the best team this conference has to offer. Yeah, I would agree with that. But as we look at things going down the stretch, they're now a half game in front of Duke, a full game uh, in front of Virginia, who also lost last night that we'll probably get to briefly. And so when you look at this deal, the, the only things that I'm looking at is the narrow escape uh, of Miami, too, which that was a game where they were a little lackluster for the majority of that game. But they did come back and get a win. A win is a win. But the last five games from R.J. Davis, he's shooting 37.5%. Uh, from the field. And so we've heard teams uh, talk about in beating the Tar Heels being more physical with RJ. And I keep pointing out how he's not the biggest of guys. This is not a 6'5, 6'6, 2 guard that's got some weight that can withstand the pounding. This is a guy that, you know, carrying a squad, he's a smaller guard. And when he goes down in there and takes punishment, it's going to take a toll. Then also, Armando Baycott, his last five games, he's averaged 16 points per game. But last night, once again, I just thought not the type of effort that you need from a guy that's been there as long as he has. That has been pretty peerless when you're talking about big men since he's been in college. There aren't a lot of matchups that he's had to face where you're like, okay, this is, you know, two big dog, big men that, that this is going to be a dog fight. And that's another reason why I feel like he should be a little bit more dominant. Uh, than what he's been. I mean, you got what you would want last night from Harrison Ingram, even though it was a little untimely. It seems like he makes a lot of timely plays, but last night he was making some plays, had some turnovers down the stretch. He had 14 points, though, uh, and 11 rebounds. But when you look at the schedules of these teams coming up as they're going to battle it out for the conference title, you know, Carolina's got road game, a road game at Virginia. They've got to see Miami again. they got to see NC State again, which, I mean, they do own them. Obviously, you got Duke uh, down the stretch. And then Duke's got to go to Florida State this weekend. They got to go at Miami, at Wake Forest. They got Virginia. They got to go at NC State before playing the Tar Heels. Duke has a pretty difficult stretch. And then Virginia's got Wake coming to them this weekend. Uh, they, they play Carolina on the 24th. They're at Duke on March the 2nd. And then Georgia Tech, we know that they're a feisty bunch as well. But it looks like coming down the stretch, Virginia has the clearer path to get this done because I don't think that uh, either of these three teams is done taking losses just yet. I think there may be one or two more in the cards for these teams. But the main thing I'm looking at is just R.J. Davis and his production. Is it starting to weigh on him how much of the offensive load he has to carry, even though Cadeau's been stepping up? I'm looking at that, and I'm just still looking at uh, Armando Baker as we come down the stretch. Can those two summon their powers and get this team to an ACC regular season championship? The R.J. Davis thing, you look at the last five games, you mentioned the 37% field goal clip that he's shooting right now. Yeah, 36 and 96. Because it's all two-point field goals that he's missing. His three-point shot is still very, very good. In fact, it's even better than what he was doing before the last five games that he played. On higher volume, he's shooting better the last five games. It's just you can't create any more inside the three-point arc. He was shooting 48% on twos the first well, however many games, the first 20. They've played 25 the first 20 games, 48% on twos. You know what he's shooting now? 33. I mean, it is a monster, monster drop-off. And he hit a big two last night when he was able to score that layup 
right hand, left side of the goal, but there's just no room for him to operate inside the three-point arc, and that goes a little bit into them being more physical. But that also goes into a little bit, all right, how much are you able to dish? How much room are you? do you have to operate? Because if it's RJ shooting this poorly inside the three-point arc, now you need Armando to just become a flat-out beast, grab some of those offensive boards, but you're also trying to give RJ space. And so are you going to be right there next to him? No, because then you allow the tree to just defend you, Armando, and RJ, who is driving. And so it's tough to try to figure that out. It just all comes down to him being able to hit shots at the rim again. And that's just not happening the last five games. Once RJ gets back, like this is where we can do the law of averages thing again. Even if it doesn't go back up to 48, close to 50%, it probably won't. It's not going to stay down here at a third of his shots. That's way too low. That's not going to happen. Can you get back to like 44, 45? That's going to be something that allows North Carolina to win these games. Again. Yeah, I'm going to put my panic meter for the Tar Heels right now. I'm going to go about a six and a half to a seven. Like I said, I'm I'm worried about R.J. Davis carrying the load down the stretch. And can he continue to hold up? Fitty, you didn't give us a number, so I'm guessing yours is what, like a two or a three? I mean, I, I think it's fair to maybe put it like at a four. But, I mean, I, I just look at it as someone that watches this sport night in, night out. Every top 10 team has gone through this for two months. Carolina just escaped it for the first month of January because they won at Clemson. They won at Pittsburgh. They won at NC State. So for me, if and look, the Clemson loss, I know that was a home loss. That's a tournament team. They're not losing to bad teams. And even though Syracuse is 16-9, and nine, they've been a middle-of-the-road ACC team the majority of the season. So I'm, I'm at a four. So you consider Georgia Tech, you don't consider them a bad team? On the road... Atlanta, as tough a place to play in the ACC. They had three (laughs) home wins against ranked competition. It was the game before the Duke game. It was a trap game. Like, it was the good old trap game. Like, I'm, I'm... I'm not going to panic until I see something that's worth me panicking over. All right. Also, too, last night, Virginia lost at home. Had their winning streak broken. I believe it was like 24 games or something like that. They lose to uh, Pittsburgh 74-63. to uh, Pittsburgh beats them Blake Henson or Blake Hemson, as the kids like to call him. 27 points uh, on the night. Uh, I think that loss to me... Uh, it's a little bit of an indictment on Virginia. They kind of reverted back to where they've been most of the year, but I also think that this was a situation to where Virginia's been scorching hot, and it was about time for them uh, to take a loss at some point. They got caught last night uh, by Pitt, who outscored them by seven in the second half. Did you have any uh, thoughts or reactions to Virginia going down at home to Pitt? Yeah, I, I, I hate to revert back to this. It's real nerd boy stuff in basketball today but so much of these losses will sometimes hinge on how a team shoots from three-point land and what you saw from pittsburgh last night is a 44 percent clip from beyond the arc and blake henson it's real for him like blake henson is i think coming into this game the best shooter in the acc he's a three-point land and you saw him 11 of 19 from the field and hit five of his 13 attempts from distance scoring those 27 points also some timely shots too like not even that this got crazy close but it was close enough to where maybe virginia can make a run and yet pittsburgh was able to keep them at arm's length and so here's pittsburgh man playing pretty well after they got off to a terrible start we thought all right this might be capel's last year 
year for him. Now they're on a four-game winning streak after losing the game on the road to Miami. They have a couple of really tough road wins. NC State and Virginia, the toughest road win the last 20 games of college basketball, not just in the ACC, but in all of college basketball. Tip of the cap to Pittsburgh, figuring some things out here as the season goes on. All right, and also before we get out of the campus corner, the Panthers did announce that the Keep Pounding High School Classic will be back. A doubleheader to be held at Bank of America Stadium on August 27th, kick, August 22nd, excuse me, kicking off the high school season in the state. You will have the Independence Patriots, Myers Park, Providence Day, and Weddington. That is a fearsome foursome right there. The games will kick off with Independent. And uh, Myers Park will kick off at 4 o'clock. And then the defending state champions, Weddington and Providence Day, will play at 8 p.m. I'm not going to miss that one. That's going to be a block burner, Weddington and Providence Day. So, yeah, high school football in full effect. So that was a great announcement from the Panthers. And that should be uh, a fun couple of games to watch when high school football returns. It seems like we're so far away from that. Uh, right now, though. But when we come back, we dive right back into the Carolina Panthers. Position preview time. Tight ends. We're talking about it. This is Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm not here to upset the beehive, but it's weird to see Beyonce at the biggest game in the sport and yet still be secondary in storyline to Taylor Swift over there. I'm not saying second in musical ability. You must not have saw what happened to Shannon when he said something like that. They're going to come for you. Yeah, I don't want that. (laughs) I'm going to put it in the the podcast hour description, Mm -hmm. and then you'll have – I mean, you don't fight on Twitter. I don't. But the Beehive will be after you. Like the Lamella stands are after you while unlocked on Hornets. They used to be. They're they're more so Doug centric. And I'm gonna catch the strays too for not jumping in and defending and all that. So, you know, we'll we'll just go down, you know, on that sword together. But I have a Beyonce song in the playlist today. I don't have a Taylor Swift song in the playlist. It's still not, gonna, it's still not gonna save you though. It's criminal. There's no, 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 there's no Taylor it. Swift. No, Beehive. I don't want to get stung. I love B. I don't want to get stung. I love Jay-Z. Jay-Z is maybe my favorite of all time, mm. I think. Bad take. Well, it don't bother me. I don't like either one of them like that. Anymore. You don't like Beyonce? So anybody can come for me. Well, I think you're you're talking about YouTube videos that you've watched and oh, researched no, based off of the other that. day. I, I like not just old that. Beyonce. I like, I like that one. I don't mm-hmm. like a lot of the stuff she makes now. Well, Taylor Swift, that was just, all right. We talked a lot about Taylor Swift when we would talk about the Super Bowl yes. and the Kansas City Chiefs run to the Super Bowl. And now her run to Charlotte? Bomb it. Wait, what? <laughs> By me. 
<laughs> you don't want Taylor Swift in Charlotte. Is, oh, no, no. I was just what? saying, you know, the Taylor Swift during the Super Bowl stuff and all yeah. that. I just okay. vomit. Okay. I didn't know if you were vomiting. Well, I didn't know what you were throwing up because of. <laughs> but you, you might be throwing up a little bit more because Taylor Swift could be coming to Charlotte because, yep, Kansas City, they play Carolina at Bank of America Stadium next season. How crazy would that be? Oh, she'll be here. I figure she would. I mean, yeah, you think as here. long as things are going strong, I have no reason to believe that it won't be at that point. And so it feels like Taylor Swift just might be coming back to Charlotte. How excited would you see, or would you just vomit again? Like, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I think at this point, anytime I see the Chiefs, I'm going to vomit until okay. the 49ers can beat them in a Super Bowl environment. So, you know, I think I need a lot of barf bags uh, in my mm. direction, you know? A lot of barf talk. <laughs> A lot of vomit. Time. No, but that'd be cool for the city. I mean, I know they'll make a big deal about it, and I know that mm-hmm. uh, the the paparazzi folks here in Charlotte are definitely going to be working hard to try to get any shots or anything they can get a Taylor Swift. I feel like if you if you follow the Charlotte paparazzi profile on Twitter. They're active like every five months, I guess. Yeah, right. It is. That, that is a funny thing. I mean, other cities, L.A., it's every day. You know, Miami, New York, it's every day. But here in Charlotte, yeah, you'll get something every now and again. Yeah, let me. I'm going to look it up. At Celebs in Charlotte, what's the last tweet they had? All right, they still have a tweet pinned from 2021. They had one three hours ago. Okay. It looks like they're a little more active than I remember. Oh, but it makes sense because Love is Blind. Love is Blind. Is, it's basic, It's in Charlotte this year, right? Love is Blind. It and is. So, okay. So they're going to have content to go back to quite a bit, but it does feel like they used to be active or at least had a photo of a celebrity out here in Charlotte every once in a while. The last picture I can see like that outside of the Love is Blind world is Wimby when he was here January 19th. Victor Wimbenyama. I don't mean to bring up bad news again for Wes, who probably wants to vomit again because he's not playing in Charlotte. But, yeah, that's what I remember. I'm sure they're going to be active that day looking for Taylor Swift. Yeah, they will be. Fitty, you're shaking your head. Why are you shaking your head? you got to remember, Tay-Tay didn't go to every Chiefs game. Her first game last year was against the Bears. The Bears suck, but that was at the beginning of the greatest sports romance we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. As of right now, the Panthers, not too good. It feels like a bye week for Taylor where Travis just tells her, hey, baby, don't don't bother. Go do what you want to do. We're going to go down there. I'll be done playing in the middle of the third quarter anyhow. It ain't it ain't worth it. But I, Taylor, don't, I, I, I don't think she comes. But Taylor doesn't know about Queen City Magic, and she doesn't know that teams in Charlotte beat teams that they have no business beating and lose the teams that they should beat. And so that could be an opportune moment for true Queen City Magic, and they somehow, some way, find a way right. to beat the Chiefs. I mean, stuff I, like that happens here all the time. They used to beat the Bulls back in the day when the Bulls used to come through with MJ. So I'm just saying, that's what Queen City Magic was born from. At least for a game. Not, yeah. not a whole but, series. Let's not get a choice. Yeah, at least for a game, we'd get one. I mean, look, it might apply to the Hornets, but how many bad Panther teams oh, have I can beaten tell a you. team at home that they had no business I can tell beating? you, you were still eating at Gerber when the Panthers were beating my 49ers on a regular basis. They beat the brakes off the Cowboys every time they would play them. The Panthers used to definitely get a lot of big wins, but that's what started uh, my disdain from them for them uh, in the beginning because they used to beat my Niners all the time with their expansion team. I'm talking about the Anthony Johnsons and Mark Carriers and all those oh, yeah. guys. 
beating my teams with Steve Young and Jerry Rice and all these players. They used to get my Niners to work on a regular basis. That was 25 years ago. Though, yeah, Les. but I'm just saying that this is what happens in this town. We have teams that you go into games thinking they got no chance against these teams. And they win, and then when you think that they're – when you're ready to cheer for them and get on the bandwagon, they let you down. That's how Clean City Magic works. Carolina did just beat a playoff team this year. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's how Queen City Magic works. And it doesn't make any sense. The last thing I want to mention about what you just had to say, Fiddy, you started off your sentence with, you have to remember, like I have a Taylor Swift football reference game log of every single game that she attended this year. You don't? I do not have to remember. And What are you it's, doing? It's interesting that you know every single game. You went into detail on the games that she missed, which was fascinating to me because clearly we all know about the Taylor Swift saga. I did not know that you knew every single game she went to and the specific games that she missed. I live with the Swifty and I am a Swelsey fan myself. I keep up with where Taylor is and where she isn't when Travis Kelsey, the greatest tight end I've ever seen play the game of football is out there doing his thing. Jack says on the text line, Wes, is this you jumping on the Hornets playing bandwagon? Thoughts? No, Maybe? no, no. Just a little bit? Not, he missed a key stat here. I said they beat teams that they have no business beating and okay. lose the teams that they should beat. So well, that means there'll beaten. be some head-scratching losses down the stretch, but they'll rise up and beat a Milwaukee or a Phoenix or something like that. They did beat Minnesota, who's still top in the West. Yeah. And who was top in the East when they beat him? And that's when Boston. Boston. Yeah. And remember, Clifford got asked that question about how can you beat the best team in the East, the best team in the West, and lose to Detroit. And then he went on one of his many rants. He went on this yeah, year. Yeah, Casey Steve is on it. He says, yes, my first game in Charlotte was against the 49ers. Hurst was the running back for the 49ers. And that was a good team because that was the Jeff Garcia T.O. teams. And, yeah, they used to have me uh, throwing stuff, being like, how are they playing this well? You know who has me throwing stuff? Yeah. Ian Thomas, because he couldn't become the tight end of the future. This is very transition, true. man. I think it was a little weak. You think it was okay? I mean, Fine. it was a little bit of a reach, but we rocking with it. That's fine. You're right, our let's guy. go. Let's go. Yeah, you're okay. our guy. Let's move into the Panthers position <laughs> preview. We're talking about the tight end position, and that goes into how we've broken this thing up the last week or so. Past, present, and future. I start with the past, because the past was Greg Olson. And the Panthers having one of the best tight ends in all the football for a very long time. The first tight end to ever record three straight 1,000-yard seasons. It's weird to think about that now because Kelsey had, I think, six or seven straight. Barely, barely missed it yeah, this see, year. That would have been nice if you to say, how can the Panthers find their Kelsey? Yeah, that's true. But... I'm a little off my game today. No, it was man, a stretch. No. It, it was a stretch. All right. Well, anyways, just work with me, if you will. I appreciate that, that everybody is doing that with me. Greg Olson used to be one of the best tight ends in the entire NFL, and Carolina had him. And Cam and Greg was a great connection. It was fun for us to watch every single Sunday. And then they draft Ian Thomas at the very top of the fourth round, while Greg Olson plays here another year, he moves on to Seattle, and then eventually goes to the broadcast booth. And we're thinking, okay, Ian Thomas, after his rookie season, not just like a second-year breakout, but his rookie year having to fill in for Greg Olson when he was hurt, man, he was kind of balling. We can all remember that game against Cleveland. He had uh, 333 receiving yards and a couple of touchdowns in the six games that he started. Started six games. If you do the on-pace thing, He's on pace for about 750, 800 with the six starts. 
He's never had 300 receiving yards ever again. In fact, he's never had 200. He got close, 188 in 2021, 197 in 2022. But Ian Thomas was never able to fulfill that role, and he's been in the league for six years now. All right, so then we move on from Ian Thomas. Now we have Tommy Trimble, which brings us to the present a little bit. You also signed Hayden Hurst. I thought he would be a bigger contributor than what he was this season and just didn't work out with Bryce Young. The passing offense as a whole was pretty terrible. And so, Wes, my question to you, why why has it not worked out for Carolina ever since Greg Olson left for Seattle and eventually retired? Well, basically, you just haven't gone and gotten the right guys. Ian Thomas is a big uh, guy out there at the position, but, uh, you know, not the most athletic guy at the position, but you just haven't found a dude there yet, plain and simple. I mean, Tommy Trimble, he flashes, Mm -hmm. but you need more than a flash. Uh, and, you know, we've talked about the age old adage that tight ends are a rookie quarterback's best friend, and that's been proven to be debunked. But, you know, you need to go out and find a guy that can create matchup advantages uh, at the position. When you look at the guys at the top of the sport, that's exactly what they bring to the table. Whether you talk about George Kittle or Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews, or even you look at the young guy that uh, Baltimore has, uh, Lively. Uh, yep. This is a guy Lively. that's, you know, a tall guy, 6'5. Uh, you know, can go up and make plays. He plays like a wide receiver, and that's what you want to find, a guy that's kind of that hybrid because the main thing you want that's the tight end trait is the blocking, but you want him to be able to be able to split out and catch screens and do things like that. And so when you look at the draft, well, obviously the Panthers aren't going to have a chance to probably choose a guy like a Brock Bowers, uh, maybe even a Jatavion Sanders from Texas. That won't be in the cards. Maybe a Jaheim Bell from Florida State could be a guy, but even still, I look at him as maybe a second, third-round guy, and I don't know that the Panthers are going to spend a selection that early. You look at free agency, uh, they decided to go that route. This is not the most uh, glowing class of tight ends. When you look at Dalton Schultz, who's going to head that class according to PFF, I think that Houston probably won't let him get out of town. Uh, Hunter Henry, that was a bust with the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, Noah Fant as well. Like I said, the list is not very impressive. Gerald Everett. So you've got some kind of grizzled veterans. I like Gerald Everett, but like yeah. for what he is. You know, like I probably said, my he, favorite yeah. of the guys that you mentioned. Yeah, he's a vet. So, I mean, maybe Tremble takes what he did this past season and he goes to the next level because the thing you see from Tremble that you like is – you love the athleticism he brings to the position. He seems to be a guy that makes the plays uh, when need be as far as, you know, not a lot of drops from him. And he's a good yak guy. And I think for the Panthers, I've been talking about with this offense, you need to build an offense that is dynamic. And you need guys that are matchup advantages, that can win matchups immediately. But you also need guys, too, that once they get the football in their hands, they can make it happen. Tommy Tremble has shown that he's a guy that can do that uh, at times. He's just got to get more consistent with that if they really want him to be a real weapon. Because to be frank, you know, unless something drastic happens or they draft a guy that, you know, ends up being a late round pick that emerges, there's just not a lot out there as far as you're not going to be able to get to the top of the draft to maybe draft a playmaker like that. And then also free agency is not going to offer you many viable options as well. Yeah, if we look at what they have on their team right now, Ian Thomas is not going to break out anymore. We, we had that conversation probably four years in a row. Is this the year? Is this the year? It never happened. To be fair, Tommy Tremble is going into his fourth season, and this is the last year that we can have that combo. Even though I've talked about it a million times, what you see in a lot of cases are tight ends that start producing at a high level in their second contract. 
It takes a long time for those guys to cook. That's starting to trend in a different direction with what we've seen the last year. Rookie tight ends, because there's so much more focus on the passing game and you split them out wide, you can put them up close to the line of scrimmage, but not lining up right there alongside the left or right tackle. Now they don't even have to worry about blocking as much. And you've got some really athletic dudes being drafted in the first two, three rounds, like a guy like Luke Musgrave for Green Bay tested extremely well athletically and then he goes out and what does Green Bay do? They move to Tucker Craft, a rookie tight end who also comes in and helps that Green Bay offense. Now you go to somebody like Dalton Knight or I, I forget his name, Dalton uh for Buffalo. Um oh, whatever. Dalton Kincaid, Kincaid, Kincaid baby Kincaid. Dalton Kincaid is <laughs> producing for the Buffalo Bills. And then you can even go to Sam Laporta, who was excellent this season. But Laporta, like shifty, smaller tight end, Kincaid, more of the Travis Kelsey mold. That was what they wanted him to be, right? Like the more receiver-oriented tight end. So is it worth taking another shot in the draft? I'm not saying you have to do it at 33 overall, but can you find somebody in the third round that can eventually be like one of those guys that you saw perform in their first year this past season, their rookie year? I'm cool with seeing what can happen with Tommy Tremble again. This is the last season. He continues to show like at least more flashes. And then Dave Canales comes in where Kate Otten in his second year had 450 receiving yards. Not great, but 450 would be a lot more than what we've seen yeah, in the last couple that. of years. You would. I, I would sign up for 450 and five, six touchdowns from touchdown Tommy himself right now. I would take it. Kate Otten had those numbers. And remember, Baker Mayfield relied a lot on Kate Otten in the postseason, their second leading receiver behind Mike Evans. You go back to the Seattle days. We mentioned this before. It was really a tight end by committee up in Seattle, but those guys produced. If you brought all of their numbers together, then those guys actually got a decent amount of production from the tight end position, whether it be a Noah Fant, whether it be Will Disley, whether it be Parkinson. You had a bunch of different guys that actually helped, and it wasn't just one specific tight end. It got more that way with Tampa. I wonder if now, can you get maybe a little more of the Seattle production from Hayden Hurst, possible bounce back year, and Tommy continuing to ascend if you choose not to use one of these draft picks on the tight end? Yeah, and that's another key factor in this too is Hayden Hurst. Can he come back and give you what you wanted from him when you signed him to a deal this past offseason, like I said? And so... Uh, there's a lot of key pieces to be moved on this offense. But like I said, I, I feel like at this point, they're going to have to make it work with the tight ends they've got uh, in-house. Any love for Hayden Hurst this year? Think he can bounce back as a veteran? or what Yeah, do you, I think he's capable. Sure, I do. Got to be better from Bryce Young. Hayden Hurst also, there was the – that was somebody that was a little more candid after the season – with Bryce Young comments, with coaching comments, and I can understand why, right? It, it felt like if we did see any call-outs from the coaching staff, it felt like we got a little bit of one in the middle of the season towards Hayden Hurst, just not being a very good blocker, and that's why you continue to see Ian Thomas. That's why you see Tommy Trimble, who was drafted because of his freak athleticism, but wasn't even Notre Dame starting tight end, viewed as a raw project, and so maybe that's why you give him four years. But if Hayden Hurst can come back, if he's used in the right way, let's say you get 350, 400 from him. Like, I mean, it seems a little bit lower, but you have to imagine Tommy Trimble is producing as well. So can you get 850 combined from those guys? 800, something like that. 
I would take that. Oh right yeah, now. If you can get that. That's definitely what you want. Might you even be one. overshooting it, but you get the idea. Yeah. Like I, I think both of those guys can contribute. Last thing, yes or no on the possibility of drafting a tight end within your first three picks. No, not first no. three. Okay, no. thirty-three overall. I'm with no, you. No, hell no. But at some point, you just have to do the best player available thing. And if you get a really athletic tight end. If like somebody third, should drop or something like that that you feel yeah. like can be a real playmaker. But like I said, that offensive line, wide receiver, pass rusher, to me, those have to be your first three picks. I would I would love to entertain an Isaiah Likely trade. It's going to be a lot. But also. Likely won't happen. <laughs> that was good. Very well timed. I'll say it again. I say uh, again, no. All right, yeah. all right, whatever, whatever. Get out of here. Get out of here. I would like to see what they would be willing to take, and I don't know if it would be possible, but likely is so good. He stepped. Why does Baltimore get to have two of those guys? That's what's frustrating. It's Weston Walker Sports Radio, ninety-two-seven WFNZ. Willie P joins us on the other side of the break to talk about his artificial intelligence character that you can see playing soccer. Sports Radio, ninety-two-seven WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... I'm Will Pelagic. I guess Willie thought his AI character was going to show up for this appearance. Didn't know you could uh, create those types of characters to just do your radio hits for you. Seriously? I didn't know that either. Thought he was, thought we were getting the real Willie P, but we're not getting the real Willie P. Instead, Robot didn't even bother to show up. I don't know why. Come on, man. On. Love to have him in studio. Would at least love to have him on the phone lines. But yeah. this is the second time this has happened to us, man. I don't know. I don't know why he don't love us. I you feel like he's Fresh us Prince. with the LeBron passive aggressive. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I drown in a pool of lame. Maybe something like that. I did want to go to this real quickly. When we were hopping back on the mic, Fiddy was shaking his head saying, no Willie P. And then he asked me, can I be AI Willie? I don't know what that means. Did you have anything in mind? Did you want to... Give us an impression of AI Willie, maybe Robot Willie. That would be kind of funny. I don't know if you have that in your arsenal, but I just wanted to know what you meant by, hey, can I be AI Willie? I mean, I was just offering to do the interview because, I mean, I do have a pretty good Willie P impression. Do you want to share it? So if I if I talk to Willie, hey, Willie, what went into the idea of you creating your own AI character wearing the new Ally Charlotte FC jersey that will be presented this season? Well, you know, Walker, <laughs> I, I, I'm a company man. All, everything I do is for the club. Charlotte FC, they do a great job taking care of me. And I want to do a good job taking care of them. Great new feature. You do a good job. 
and uh, put myself in the kit because I was never good enough to play soccer at a high level. Oh, no. No, Willie, really? don't do that to yourself. Come and, on, man. Uh, look, the results came back pristine. Julianne, my lovely wife, very happy with the results, and uh, we're ready for <laughs> we're ready for the season over here, Walker. You're, you're, you're telling me your wife really liked the character, thought, thought that was a good representation of who you are. I cannot confirm or deny. She okay. said AI Willie looked better than real Willie. No, no, no. Uh, real Willie. Seriously? Good. No, not seriously, Willie B. I, I hope we get a man. I wanted to know what his favorite love song is. Yeah, that would be a good question to ask. Because we know Willie P is bougie. Yeah, he is. Oftentimes, I, it was a big deal when he was eating the Domino's pizza at the staff meeting just last week. Didn't know if he had a more sophisticated taste. I want to know if he's out here just getting like the Kit Kats, the little mini candy bar bags for his loved ones, or if he's balling out and he's getting Godiva. And right, he's, yeah, and he's that's making, what I'm saying. You know high what I'm end saying? chocolate. The yeah, truffles, for yeah. sure. The high-end kind of stuff. I could see him being like that. That's what I think Willie's doing. But I would love to know what kind of Valentine's Day advice Willie P has for the people. Yeah. I don't even, this isn't even to disrespect Charlotte FC. I want to go to the first game. I'm excited about the New Jersey. I want one myself. Kit, I'm such a noob. Come on, it's yeah. Kit Walker. Feel free to clown me on the text line, 704-570-9610. But also, I would like to just have maybe even a whole hour exploring what Willie P's Valentine's Day advice would be. That yeah, would be entertaining his, his to candy me. candy rankings and things of that. <laughs> All of that. We could have a whole Valentine's Day show of Willie P ranking Valentine's candy, love songs, advice, dating spots. I think Willie would have a lot of really good dating spots, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think he would, too. I would, I, I'm actually going to text him. I'm going to text him and say, hey, what's up? You don't even have to do your hit today. Just tell me the top three spots that you have in mind for date night. Mm. I you know, I am heartbroken though that he didn't answer the phone. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. Um, because I spent 25 minutes of my drive home talking to this guy. You know, maybe put in a word that mm -hmm. my guys want the kit, my guys want to go to the game. Like, was really doing some legwork. Oh, no, legwork for the show. I was like, maybe you could help us. Points in the right direction, the best game to go to, the best place to go do the pregame scene. Had this great insightful conversation. And then can't even answer the phone. Yeah, because I definitely want to get back to a game this year. I missed getting to one last year, but I definitely want to get back to one or more than that this year. I want to do the beer shower. Beer shower would be fun. Wes and Walker's soccer day out would be nice. <laughs> That'd be great. All three of us just That's showing good. up to Bank of America Stadium on a weekend. I would love to see it. Now, these kits, as you soccer people say, these kits look pretty good, but the purple one is the one that I see. The mint and the purple those are the ones that I see all over the place. And those, yeah. they're so clean. The mint one is so good. Charlotte FC mint jerseys that are out there. I feel like that's the one I see the most. And I feel like it's my favorite of what they have going on. The new one is cool. Yeah. But the mint one is my favorite. At least in my opinion. Oh, oh look who it is. <laughs> uh, we got, Speaker of the devil, uh, eh? We got somebody calling in. We'll see who it is on the other side of the break. I'll read a couple of text messages that we got in here. 704-570-9610. We're still asking about the best love songs that you have to contribute to a Valentine's Day playlist. Complainer-in-Chief says, Casey and JoJo, crazy best love song ever. Mm -hmm. I got it on the playlist, man. You know, we have to go with All My Life, Casey and JoJo. It's definitely in there. We had some Whitney Houston in the mix. We had a lot more Jodeci. Big Cat Dan wrote Jodeci, and there's the connection. So we'll get to that in just a moment. I believe we have them now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline.
the voice of Charlotte FC, aspiring AI model, and somebody I want Valentine's Day advice from. Willie P. Palachik joins us now on Wesson Walker. Willie, what's going on, man? Why don't you love us on this Valentine's Day? Why, why, what do you mean I don't love you? You don't I love, love I us, man. Love we, had, we had you on. Now we only have like two minutes to do this. And I wanted to do this whole Charlotte FC thing. I wanted to get Valentine's Day advice from you. And you're calling in late. And all I wanted to do was give you the platform to show, hey, how is Willie P getting down on Valentine's Day? Well, it's a more subdued Valentine's Day this year because it is uh, unfortunately coinciding with Ash Wednesday. So uh, we are a little bit more penitent on this Valentine's Day. Mm. But uh, we'll get it down tomorrow because we're heading to Indiana to see my uh, my wife's family. So we'll we'll uh, we'll definitely celebrate a lot more tomorrow. All right. Do you have your favorite love song though that you can contribute? Because we have a Valentine's Day playlist rolling. Is there a favorite love song of one Willie P that you would like to contribute to the playlist? Well, the uh, the song that my wife and I had on our wedding day was uh, Elvis Presley's uh, uh, "Can't Help Falling in Love with You." That that was our that was our uh, song for our wedding. So that, it, that's one I would uh, I would uh, contribute to the cause. Did you cry, Fitty, when you saw that? Yes, it was beautiful. All right, mm. probably was a little bit of the beer that you drank, maybe a lot, because I saw you the next day. You did not look great, my friend. When his voice jacked for like the whole week. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Willie P joining us on the also, body work. Also, also, we can go over on the clock. The clock is a. Uh, the clock is a. a, a it's a mobile construct. I'm sorry. I saw I saw you eating that Domino's at the staff meeting we had last week. I don't think that's true, Willie. If if we get in trouble, we're blaming you. I don't care. I'm a, I'm on vacation. It's okay. <laughs> it's vacation, Willie P. On the Body Works Plus guest hotline. So, Willie, how has uh, the club managed since Carol Swiderski left? We know that that was such a a big loss for the Charlotte FC team. How are they going to operate with his absence this upcoming season? Well, it's going to revolve a lot more around Enzo Capetti. Uh, I know that Carol departing and Camille Josviak departing, I think for a lot of people means that, you know, someone's got to step up. But I think Enzo is going to be able to play a lot more freely because of the way that uh, the offense will be constructed under Dean Smith. I think there'll be a lot more going through the midfield. They want to try to make sure that they diversify their channels because too much of the things last year came from the wing. Too much of the service came from on the outside, and they want to try to make sure that Enzo is getting service from both the middle and from the outside so that the opposition doesn't know where it's coming from. And that obviously opens things up more for Enzo, opens things up more for the attacking midfielders, and hopefully spreads the wealth a little more when it comes to goals. Willie P., we know that this team kind of flirted with trying to make the playoffs last season, but it just didn't come through too many ties and not enough execution down the stretch. Where do we sit with this team as we come into this season? Is this a team you fully expect to be in the playoffs? Is this a team you expect to be a lot like it was last year, flirting with it? Where are we at with Charlotte FC and their trajectory as a franchise? Well, I think one of the things they want to do, Wes, is, you know, they want to go beyond where they were a year ago. They want to make sure that, you know, the play-in round is uh, is maybe just the baseline in terms of maybe trying to make sure they can actually get to hosting a three-game playoff series in the, in the playoffs proper. Uh, I think the early part of the season is going to be kind of trying to feel out how these new pieces work under Dean Smith's system. Uh, Dean making some very pointed comments about trying to make sure that a lot of the younger guys get implemented because, as he likes to say, if you're good enough, you're old enough. So he's done things like experiment with 15-year-old uh, homegrown signing Nymphasha Burkimas. They signed uh, two of their draft picks today in Tiger Smalls and Jelani Forbes. They've already brought up two guys from their Crown Legacy team last year that won the Eastern Conference in Joao Pedro and Chituro Adunze. And there could be others on the way, like Nicola Pe- 
Petkovic, as well as uh, potentially Yuri Tavares, who was a big goal scorer for Crown Legacy a year ago. So I think a lot of it's going to be kind of making sure that the youth is served and they have kind of the development coming when it comes to this team. And uh, they have some favorable spots in the early part of the schedule to make things happen, but uh, they're obviously going to see some of the the strong teams as well, including defending champion Columbus. They're going to see the defending Supporters Shield winners, FC Cincinnati. I think they're going to try to figure out uh, whether or not they can get themselves a DP in here before the April deadline is over uh, in order to try and make sure that they're set up for the summer. But I think it's going to be very much a feeling out process early, West, and, and hopefully by the time they get to the middle of the season and the secondary transfer window comes up, then they can get themselves a potential uh, bigger star to try and make sure that they're able to push forward to the stretch run. Knowing what you know about Dean Smith, what do you expect him to make the biggest impact on this team in year one? Positional freedom, I think, is the biggest thing. I think too much of last year and the year before was built on systems that didn't exactly fit their players. And not too dissimilar to what we heard from Dave Canales and the Panthers is that he wants these guys to be the best versions of themselves, which means that if a guy is more inclined to push forward, then he will allow that to happen as long as you're not taking away from the overall arching principles, which are maintain the ball, get shots on target, and make sure that when you are in dangerous positions, you take the biggest advantage of it. He said too many times last year, it seemed like they tried to make a good chance better. And when in reality, the best choices that they could have made were actually shooting the ball. So I think we're going to see a lot more shots toward the net. You're going to see a lot more of a concerted effort to make sure that the ball gets into the net. And I think that's a a big, big part of what Dean wants to do. He wants to try to simplify things for these guys. Whereas I think the last couple of years, things were very much uh, in boxes where guys really didn't feel like they were able to express themselves. Willie, before we get you out of here, I did want to ask you, because rumor has it that you taught an hour and a half uh, via lecture yesterday. What was the lecture I on? For, and- I, I, taught, I taught for two hours. I, I, I spoke for 90 minutes and took a half hour of questions. Okay. So how did that go? What was it about? How did it go? And do you like being Willie Professor Perlogic? I am I am very much a big fan. It's, it's been something I've done the uh, last seven or eight years. One of my old journalism professors uh, has me come in. He does a sports uh, talk uh, class that he does up at UMass, the University of Massachusetts up in Amherst. And uh, he has me in to do a lecture uh, every year. And I talk about things that I've learned in the business, uh, different rubrics, uh, steal some things from different, uh, different program directors, including our own, uh, because I feel like anytime we can uh, bite off the advice from uh, a great program director like Jeff Rickard, who is uh, seventh in the Barrett Sports Media rankings this past year, I think you look at something like that and uh, you try to impart the wisdom out of the youth and the uh, future of this industry. Very nice, Willie. It's pretty good. Especially after you took us going over on the clock. That does. That's it's 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 very good. You've done this before. That is the great Will Palachik, Willie P, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, the voice of Charlotte FC. We're going to try to have him on weekly, but you got to do your part, Willie. Are you down to join us at every? I guess Wednesday. We'll try to make it weekly, but are you down to join us and try to figure out a day to do that? I'm always down to clown Walker. There you go scintillating stinger Mm, okay yes yes i want some alliteration in return because lord knows i've been doing it for you for a year now thank you for returning the favor that's willie p willie we appreciate it man thanks again thank you boys all right let's move on to the last hour it's the live wire coming up with josh fitty marlowe sports radio 92.7 wfnz